Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. Each week, the Enrollify podcast equips you with insights into how the latest trends in marketing and technology are impacting today's enrollment marketers. Every episode is designed to inspire new creative ideas for how to optimize the resources you have to generate the results that you need. My name is Zach Buzicruz, and I am the host of today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Buzicruz and I am the host of today's episode. And today I have the honor of chatting with Nathan Greeno, who is the Senior Vice President of Global Program Strategy at 2U. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Thank you, Zach. Glad to be here. To say it has been a crazy week might just be the greatest understatement of 2020 so far. Uh, We're a weekly podcast, but in light of all of the fear, confusion, and and just overall frustration, I would say, plaguing higher ed um, as a result of COVID-19, we are a two times a week podcast, uh, at least as of this week. Um, Nathan, before we dive into the meat of our conversation, I'm hoping you can just give us a quick overview of who you are, your your career to date, um, and then what to you is for our listeners who might not be familiar with you all. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, it's probably best just to start with who 2U is. So 2U is a global education technology company, uh, currently partnering with over 70 of the world's leading universities. Really, our focus is we bring high-quality digital and in-person learning experiences to now over 150,000 non-traditional learners globally. Super proud of our partner list. We have uh, partners ranging from Georgetown and Harvard and NYU to overseas with London School of Economics, uh, I think Berkeley, Rice, and, and, and many others. Uh, and uh, they've all kind of come to the forefront with us and said, look, we can envision a digital landscape that, uh, that has high-quality learning outcomes and can also scale. So personally, as you mentioned, I'm the Senior Vice President of Global Program Strategy. Basically, what that means is uh, I serve as the company's senior academic voice, partner-facing, um, and I have a team of what we call academic engineers uh, to really come alongside of our partners as a strategic thought, engagement, ideation uh, in, in what does it mean to pull together a brand new program or to take an existing program and put it in digital space. So we uh, work on that. We work on getting institutional buy-in. Uh, you might imagine there's quite a bit of headwind still. Uh, at many places, and then effectively set up the implementation so that uh, implementation runs successfully and we deliver on the outcomes. Well, thank you very much for that context. Um, today, we're here to talk about how schools are responding to the coronavirus. Um, and, you know, it seems like every couple of hours or so, there's another press release from an institution saying they're suspending events, uh, canceling in-person classes, um, and in some cases, classes altogether, extending spring break, etc. Can you give us a quick uh, few examples of schools that have made such decisions and just reiterate for our listeners the significance of these decisions? Yeah, you might imagine uh, this is evolving hourly, uh, quite literally across the uh, the higher education landscape. We first heard from our partners weeks ago, uh, really kind of as the virus made its way to the U.S., but the, there's just been this significant increase in the uptick uh, from an urgency standpoint on how can they leverage to use support as the virus continues to spread. 
right now about a third of our partners um, have made the decision to close their campuses and to migrate online. Wow. And we sincerely expect more to follow. And give us just um, give us a quick a, sense of, of that scale, if you wouldn't mind. Well, when you're thinking about uh, working with over 70 of the world's leading universities, uh, you know, the math follows pretty pretty much from that. And it is uh, it is something that, that we just we're seeing not daily, but hourly more announcements of, of the need for mass migration to some form of distance learning. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is significant because many of these universities um, leveraging some form of advanced technology in the past, but some of them, universities are, are disparate in the sense that you may have some schools within the university that have that experience and have been doing it, but right across the hall or right in the building next to them, they have next to no experience. Sure. And so it's the very first time for them. And how can they really engage their faculty uh, and still maintain high quality online learning experiences for students. And they have to balance that from a student experience standpoint as well as a faculty experience standpoint. And that, that makes it a significant decision all the way around. And who all are you, uh, is to you kind of communicating with uh, uh, concerning the inside of the institution? In other words, who's, who are the points of contact that you all are coordinating sort of kind of the, these game plans with? So our, our engagement um, is, is interesting. Uh, both, it's been two ways. It's been inbound as well as outbound, but it's been at the highest levels of the universities. This is clearly a strategic move and a move for continuity. Uh, so uh, uh, from there, it flows down into, uh, into operators and people that execute against that strategy. Earlier this week, you published an article on Inside Higher Ed, and in it, you point out that the coronavirus is forcing schools to quickly develop online courses um, in a matter of weeks, if not uh, if not a matter of days. And this is something that would normally take months, if not you know years, to develop. How are schools, from your perspective, either in partnership with you or just things that you've heard anecdotally, how are schools tackling this incredible undertaking? What does is, what is a process for this even look like? Sure. You, you know, really supporting our university partners as a whole is just central to our DNA. And, and, uh, and we found that extends far beyond um, you know, creating a digital asset, but it's being a strategic partner in, in the needs across the university. So uh, really from the highest levels, you and the questions, uh, the outbound questions coming uh, to us and, and our reach out for support. It, it's a difficult challenge for all institutions uh, in higher education. Um, and But we do believe that our partners are overall better positioned to move 100% online if needed, because they've already made a lot of critical investment to the tech systems, faculty, uh, the, the faculty, there's portions of the faculty in ways that are up to speed on how to teach at a distance. And uh, we're working with some of our partners, you know, specifically to, uh, to find a way for their enrolled residential versions of the two-year powered degree program. So we power um, in parallel with on ground, we power online versions of these uh, degree programs, but to what does it mean to quickly and easily allow students that are in the on-ground format to access synchronous and asynchronous learning through our tech platform? You think about the scale of that conversation, because actually we are powering 
you know, 73 online degree programs spanning 26 disciplines. So wow. if you think about the magnitude of that, it, this is not just how do you tackle, you know, didactic types of courses, right? It is how do you tackle things from law to business to public health, sure. education, social work, uh, nursing, and many more. And then we're also developing and having conversations with partners about a slim down offering because because in many cases, partners are looking to bring other classes and other programs online at scale in mass. And so that's a very different type of conversation as well. And what does this look like just for our, our listeners who uh, many of our, most of our listeners are enrollment marketers typically working in admissions offices or in Marcom departments at universities. And, um, you know, they may or may not be heavily involved in the development of curricula. And so I'm just curious, could you just spell out a little bit from a process standpoint of somebody call a school calls in crisis right now and they say, hey, you know, Nathan, we need to move these programs online where do we start? How do you all advise, like what is just in, you know, in, in a brief nutshell, what is that pro how, how do you start taking courses that are delivered, uh, in essentially analog format and move the entire experience online? Sure. I, you know, I think, I, I think there's, there's several key points that we start that conversation with. And, and of course one might expect the strategic conversation is different than the tactical conversation, sure. but, uh, but really, at, at, in broad strokes, um, when we're in this type of a, uh, I'll even use the word, so an emergency, emerging emergency situation, uh, we can't let the technology in itself get in the way of learning. So, so really getting faculty, this is, you know, to, to coalesce around one learning management system instead of several uh, that we really would encourage uh, there to be a lot of systemization systemization uh, of the courses themselves. So when you think about a student experience, uh, as well as the faculty experience that has not done this in the past, knowing where do they go for the resources? Where do they, uh, where are the touch points for getting help and assistance? Uh, what does a live classroom look like? This is all about um, standardizing, templatizing, making systems and in keeping it simple at launch right so the so that 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 involves sort of an institutional mandate you know faculty often really are uh resistant to being told what to do but they need to be reminded that you know these requirements are in place to enable some level of continuity in the instruction at this point not take away their academic freedom so moving into this kind of space with uh initial steps of having course shells, as we would call them, uh, created for all the courses, and then beginning with live video, uh, utilizing uh, a conferencing system. And the reason I say that is live video is the quickest proxy to what one does in the classroom. And it really creates more of what, you know, there's, there's been a lot of threads uh, even today on, in, in the Twitterverse uh, talking about remote learning. And really, that, that is the first step, right? You can't just expect that all of a sudden uh, we're going to have a lot of high-quality asynchronous material is just going to appear magically. Uh, the, the key here is don't let production stand in the way of continuity. Provide that access to continuity in a systematized way. Start with live video. It's the closest proxy to what happens in the... Sure, sure. 
Um, and quick question for you. you. You cut out right at the end there. Um, but I think this segue is nice into uh, this is a nice segue into my next question for you, which is really around what do you see from your perspective, uh, whether again working and, and communicating with your partners or others, uh, what are what are people most afraid of right now? what what are the the obstacles, the challenges that exist? Um, you know, d- you know, despite the obvious, um, what do you think are the greatest challenges that higher education institutions are facing? right now, this moment, this week? Well, I think at this moment, um, it's really easy to push out sort of a position paper of how we're going to move online. But the serious strategists at the most senior levels of the institutions recognize that that many many times these well-laid plans die in execution, and it becomes a scaling issue. Sure. It's how do you move how do you maintain the things that are super valuable to the institution, which is the quality of the instruction, the, the potential scale, and now you're adding in speed. Sure. And so, so execution is critical. So you kind of have things falling in different buckets. So you have institutions that have already migrated, migrated online. And those that have already have a lot of those tool sets, it's about looking back at through all of their assets and getting into that standardization I was talking about to provide the opportunity for success for students and educators. Um, They're going to come in different forms, some that have never taught online and some students that have never received instruction online. So then you've got institutions that that as a whole haven't migrated. Uh, That's where we need to have a lot of uh, initial planning and test run opportunities. Uh, What does it mean to operate in this modality? How is it different? What are best practices? And for the students, it's setting expectations. Hmm. Uh, it's going to be different, but it doesn't necessarily have to come out as lesser. Sure. These are just you can deliver just as rigorous uh, instructional opportunities for students via distance, but it is going to be different. So expectation setting is critical. What positive opportunities, uh, if any, do you believe this this sort of coronavirus crisis uh, creates for higher education? Well, I think it, it, it actually reflects um, an interesting and maybe even pivotal moment for higher education. And by that, I mean the larger ecosystem of not just students and faculty, but, but the way in which higher education perceives quality education done at a distance. Uh, it comes out in, in many different forms, but this, this is almost a, the opportunity for a paradigm shift here. And um, I would never, you know, want to look at the virus as the reason. I would look at the opportunity of how we're solving for the challenge of the virus as having things that emerge out of it that turn into a real win for what does it mean to do high quality digital education in the 21st century. That could be a game changer for many, many, many institutions. I love it. And I think that that's, that's spot on. And that in and of itself is the challenge, but also this incredible opportunity. Um, considering just the current reality that we're in, if there were three things, again, most of the people listening to the show are working at the kind of director or VP levels um, in admissions offices or, or Marcom offices. Um, if there were one, two, or, or even three things that you could mandate 
or strongly encourage that all of our listeners to today's show do immediately after listening to this podcast, what would they be? Sure. I, I would say, especially given the audience of this podcast, that uh, to be able to talk about this type of migration, it would be extremely helpful to get your hands into this type of migration, to know what does it feel like, uh, and to really, there's, a, there's an educational opportunity here for, uh, for people across the institution to, to understand what digital education and what an online course shell is and, and to, to get inside of that. It, it's interesting that um, many individuals who say they're not yet convinced that online education or distance education works have never even been inside of, an, of a learning management system or let alone a technology platform like what two you puts on. And so it's getting inside of that, getting that experience that I think takes away some of the fears, but it also allows us to communicate appropriately to the student body as well as externally outside of the university and, and allowing um, really the larger environment to know that quality education persists, it persists here, and, uh, and we can do this under our brand, which is super important. So I think that, uh, you know, when I think about steps immediately after, um, it's, it, it has to do, especially for this audience, with understanding what it is we are talking about. It's happening in real time. So we need to get under the hood. We need to understand it and then be able to message appropriately. What does this migration look like? When you think about the institutions, uh, you know, in terms of a next step from an institutional standpoint, if you don't have a plan, um, you're already behind. So understanding continuity and that continuity is is about taking logical steps. It's not about jumping across the pond right away. So you've got, you know, take these initial steps. Think about standardization. Think about a review of your current assets and then really have an institutional mandate about how you're going to tackle this together and act as one uh, cohesive unit. Those are probably the most important things at the moment. Nathan, I have one final question for you, and that is that if our audience wants to learn more about how to tackle this seemingly overbearing um, situation of, of moving potentially millions of students into online learning context over the next few weeks, what resources exist out there that to you offers or, or otherwise that they should be tapping into, whether just to educate themselves about how from a process standpoint to move forward or potentially even uh, solu- you know, partner software solutions out there that, that they might need to quite immediately tap into for support, where would you encourage folks go to learn essentially about their options? I appreciate the question because it, it reminds me of, of uh, when, when many of us who have had children talk to our children and say, be careful what you read on the web. Um, there are many, many emerging really solid sources on the web today uh, that are talking about high quality uh, mass migrations, things of that nature. But it is hard to whittle through the, the sources and which are really good and which really aren't. So to you right now is in the process of putting together based upon um, our learnings over all these years from our partners and, uh, and the kind of breadth as a, as a global leader that we are resources for educators who are learning about online tools and pedagogy perhaps for the very first time, uh, as well as 
as having some track for advanced users and looking to refine our precious skills. So think about resources that include live webinars, um, asynchronous videos that you can view of best practices, uh, some guides, tutorials, those sorts of things. And really what we're trying to showcase here are what are the best practices that have been learned from uh, from people that have been in the field for quite some time in terms of teaching online and what are the underlying pedagogical assumptions uh, that actually drive high quality learning outcomes. And again, we want to make sure that the technology that's used, the technology that's leveraged does not stand in the way of really good learning and really good teaching. And so we're trying to uh, be able to showcase those and engage in conversations with uh, faculty and administrators on how this looks like in a 21st century environment. Nathan, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Zach. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.